We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. All right, in light of starting this three-month podcast the way that we typically would start a podcast, I Derek Young with me, Cole Manbeck with me. I just I have a question for you boys. <laughs> where is that big fat L from Saturday heading? You guys know where that big fat L from Saturday is heading? It's going to Mizzou! Woo! Welcome into 3 Ma. I'm John Kurtz. As always, I've got Derek Young with me from uh, K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, beat writer from the Manhattan Mercury. Uh, we saw we saw a fun game on Saturday, boys. Huh? How about that? 40-6 to six is really what we should recognize the score as, even though I, I realize it's technically 40-12. to 12. Um, but the timeout by Eli Drinkwitz there at the end to preserve whatever pride I suppose was left at that point in the game uh, to make it 40-12. to 12. Fun one, K-State whitewashes Mizzou, uh, and the Wildcats are now 2-0 heading into a matchup against Tulane. We're going to recap it all, not just what happened on the field, but what potential recruiting impact this has because there were a lot of very good prospects from around the Kansas City metro area in attendance for that game. We also had the Josh Manning saga still on the back burner. Avery Johnson was trying to do some nice recruiting for K-State. And he, by the way, was in attendance. Plus, hey, John Randall actually made it there to the game. So a lot to talk about, a lot to break down. Uh, on a rainy day where there was a weather delay, K-State fought through it, no problem. Even after a, about an hour delay on a third and 14 play, K-State had no problem getting a stop and then a punt return for a touchdown that at that point made it 20 to three. And basically from that point on, it was, it was all K-State and they were running and hiding from the Tigers. I'll open it up with this, uh, D.Y. Clearly this was a very satisfying win for everybody across the board. And that's, look, obviously I opened it with a little cheap shot at Eli Drinkwitz, which I feel like is pretty well deserved here at this point, brings it on himself. But it was not just me. I mean, it was the athletic department, which bought a billboard in downtown Kansas City that said deuces with Deuce Vaughn throwing up the deuces. Um, Taylor Bratt was getting in on the action with a tweet that was uh, in the same vein as the one that Eli Drinkwitz put out there when Josh Manning committed about the love being real. I mean, we saw a lot of this. This clearly was a there was something personal to this win uh, for everybody on K State's side. Yeah, I think it's just the the brashness of Eli Drinkwitz that kind of 
you know, probably motivates this type of behavior because it's not something that we typically see from Kansas State, especially the billboard thing. That that couldn't be far from the, you know, what we're accustomed to seeing from the Wildcats, especially as an athletic department. I mean, that's probably something that, you know, Gene Taylor says, yep, sounds good. You know, not really in his wheelhouse to do. So uh, that that took me by surprise and, and even shining the attention on it. Um, all the tweets, you know, the, the, the kind of the shade towards Mizzou. This one was personal for the Wildcats, and they, they took a lot of pleasure in beating them. I'm sure the locker room was was quite the scene as well. And the one thing you didn't allude to, head coach Chris Kleiman had, did, wanted nothing to do with Drinkwitz at midfield. How about that handshake, man? Ice cold. It looked like Drinkwitz was going to, you know, was expecting to exchange pleasantries. Kleiman basically shook his hand and says, I'm not going to talk to you. So, um, yeah, I, I think they took it personal, and I think uh, they're, they certainly basked in it. Hopefully it was just a 24-hour kind of thing um, because that, that line from Tulane's already walking itself down, down the park a little bit. But, uh, yeah, they, they enjoyed it. Well, D.Y. Chris Kleiman's just getting revenge for Gary Pinkle, uh, the Bill Snyder <laughs> mid-game handshake when he uh, walked away from him and didn't say anything back uh, several years ago. So, uh, no, I, I think it was it was definitely personal. The Josh Manning recruitment had a lot to do with that and the handshake, I'm sure. And then also probably the way the game ended with Eli Drinkowitz calling a timeout. I mean, look, it, it's fine if you're an FCS team and you're trying to get a touchdown, you know, for the morale of your team and an atmosphere like that to, to get a touchdown on the board, calling a timeout. But when you're a, a team from a power five league and SEC team, it's, it's kind of oh, not just being power five league Cole. This is the mm-hmm. SEC. Yeah, it's kind of, it, to me, it's kind of embarrassing. K-State's got their backups in the game and to call that timeout to, to get struggle that. to get that in too. Yeah. I mean, can we talk about that? First of all, like, Shout out to the backups and the goal line stands. I mean, How they did it against South, Missouri need? Yeah. South Dakota. They hold them at the goal line, first and goal from inside the five. They hold them with case they had a lot of second and third string in, and then they do it again, essentially. And then it's really a, a roughing the passer uh, ticky tack call that ends up getting them a, an opportunity to punch it in. But I mean, yeah, it, it was a personal game for K-State. I mean, John, look, I tweeted out the love is real with like 10 minutes left in the game. And, uh, you know, I, I thought of that. I was waiting for my opportunity. I didn't want to do it too early. And uh, obviously the coaches did that afterwards. Taylor did it. And then I saw Josh Buford also did it as well on the coaching staff. So uh, yeah, it, it felt good. I'm sure for Kansas state to dominate in the way they did. I didn't see it being a blowout like that, especially with the way the game started. I mean, Missouri went right down the field and uh, but then Kansas state's defense from then on out just dominated. Minus the, the familial connection the uh, that that last sequence with Missouri trying to score a touchdown, even though it took a lot, a lot of, and actually that that kind of compares ball too. It took a lot of plays to do so. A little, little bit of less miles in 2019 energy, right? Minus that it's his son trying yeah. to give him the touchdown, but yeah. they're doing everything he can to score in a game that's clearly not within reach and calling timeouts and yeah, just it, it kind of reminded me of the less miles things minus the familial connection. Well, <laughs> less miles was uh. Certainly a fraud. It would seem that Eli Drinkwitz is heading down that road as well rapidly. Uh, the other part of it too, Cole, I mean, they wanted to shorten up halftime, right? After an hour weather delay and Eli Drinkwitz put the kibosh on that. So, I mean, it's like he he just, <laughs> he did one thing after another, I think, that probably yeah. led to that icy handshake. I, yeah, I mean, that they, thing, though. I uh, see, I, I I didn't. I just didn't see it. They didn't. It didn't benefit him when they had the hour delay and they came out with the QB draw and then punted in K-State House the punt return right after that at, I don't know. Like, yeah, K-State, 
suggested to shorten the halftime in that game because just had an hour delay uh, and Missouri and Eli Drinkowitz said no. They wanted the full 20 minutes. So uh, that didn't do them a lot of good. Yeah, a very, very minor thing. But it's like I was rewatching the broadcast because I was at a wedding as all this was happening. So I watched a lot of the game on my phone with no sound. And so I'm rewatching the broadcast and I heard them bring that up where they're, they're like speculating about kind of who makes that decision or like, I guess we're doing a full halftime. And it's like it, it, the way it comes out, it's like, well, K-State's the home team. Can't they do something about that? I mean, that, that was the part that was frustrating to me. And then I saw some people asking on Twitter afterwards about it too. And I wanted to just be like, well, talk to your, talk to the dork on the other sideline, man. It, that ain't us. That ain't us. So I digress. That was very fun. My, my question now is we turn from the fun of just romping Mizzou is, I mean, how much did we really learn about K-State in that game? I, I know the defense has been very, very good through two weeks, and I'm not – you know, you can nitpick Mizzou. Had a, they got burdened to open down the field a couple of times and missed them on plays that, that at least one of which should have been a touchdown. Um, but the defense has been very, very good. The offense barely hits 100 yards passing, definitely left something to be desired. I just – Mizzou looked awful. They looked terrible. So I, how, how much do we really truly know about K-State coming out of that game when it's – a uh, weird weather game. And again, you just, you get up and you get a chokehold on them. So it's hard to know what to make of the offense. I think because situationally it was more just like, Hey, as long as Missouri literally threw four straight interceptions. So it was like, as long as you just run the ball three times and just give it back to them, you're going to get it back and you're going to win the game. Cause you already had a multi-score lead at that point. So that's kind of the question that I have coming out of this is how, how much did we really learn about K-State here? Yeah. I mean, I'm right, right there with you. I, I, I said all last week, uh, this is where we'll we'll learn a lot about K-State. I don't know if we learned anything. I did have a, a piece that called Five Things We Learned, so that kind of just <laughs> – <laughs> that well, you, you, you take the next 10 minutes, D.Y., it's all on you. Yeah, well, I'll say one of them is I think we know that, you know, when during the offseason, even Chris Kleiman said this, and we had been saying it for months, the, the safety position was a question mark on the team. I think we've discovered it's not a question mark. Kobe Savage is really good. Josh Hayes, after he got knocked off the rust, really good football player too. Yeah. They play fast, so I don't think safety is a question mark. I, th- I think I think we've learned that. I think we've learned that Austin Moore is a really good linebacker, um, at least serviceable. Or you know, it, it, they haven't downgraded from Cody Fletcher. Let's put it that way. Uh, I don't I don't see it that way. So th- they haven't taken a step back at linebacker. They've probably taken a step forward at defensive end. You have Felix Andy DK Yazama, of course. But Jalen Pickle's still there. Brennan Mott looks really good. Um, Nate Matlack hasn't really splashed yet, so we're kind of waiting for that. It's not that he's not playing good, that those opportunities just haven't arisen. Robert Hintz probably played the best game of his career on Saturday against Missouri. So individually, I think we're learning about players. As a team, I'll pump the brakes there. I'm not sure how much. We're still leaking a little bit in the – Kansas State's still leaking a little bit in the past defense at times. Like you said, with Luther Burden, a couple of Mizzou drops – which is probably because of the weather conditions, if anything. Uh, there were some drops and windows last week against South Dakota where they benefited from as well. So they still have to tidy some things up, you know, with the past defense, although, you know, you're not going to take away everything. So I understand some of that might be designed that a certain play is open too. Offensively, I don't know that we're really learning anything. We already know deuce is deuce. The pass protection scared me for about a quarter, um, I would say. I, I thought – Thought they got pushed around a little bit in that, but they still ran blocked well and really got downhill. Passing game-wise, I, I I don't think we've learned anything bad or good. It's almost still like the South Dakota 
post game. Yeah. I still have those feelings. And because it wasn't great, but guess what? I mean, I, I underestimated it, but I left the press box just to walk the veneer. So I'm outside for maybe two or three minutes. It was miserable. That's hard to throw the ball in that weather. That's why Missouri threw four straight interceptions. Uh, way to brag that you were in the press box dry, D.Y. My shoes are still soaking wet. I don't, <laughs> I'm don't. i going to have to put them out in the sun for a week, I think, to get those things dried. Uh, look, yeah, the, I think you come away. The, the offense looked really good the first two drives, kind of similar to the South Dakota game, right? And uh, they come out, they converted a couple third down and longs, uh, a nice play by Adrian to get the ball out to Malik Knowles for a 15 plus yard gain. And they, they score touchdowns on their first two drives. Uh, John, you mentioned the four straight interceptions. I think what was really kind of disheartening from the performance and really the only negative thing I have is then K-State on three, those first three interceptions, they only capitalized on six points. They kicked a field goal, missed a field goal, kicked another field goal. And all three of those drives started inside the Missouri 37-yard line and within. So, you know, K-State really needed to punch in at least one or two touchdowns in that situation. And they kept shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, there were penalties. There was a false start. There was a block in the back. Uh, there were some mistakes on that end. You know, in fact, the first two drives, 14 points, just to give you guys some numbers, 124 yards on those first two drives, averaging six yards per play. The next seven drives, K-State only created six points and had three first downs, um, 68 yards on 30 plays, 2.3 yards per play on those seven drives. So, and then they- That was it was the driest. Yeah, it was. It, look, that, that's the thing. So people also are going to look at Adrian Martinez's stat line, right? And see, oh, nine of 20, 101 yards. That's eh, pretty meh. Uh, the weather, first of all, you can't really take a lot. It was pouring rain for much of the time he was playing. Uh, and then also the, the Deuce Vaughn 30-plus yard throw on the wheel route they called offensive pass interference on Cade Warner. That was a beautiful throw. Yeah, I mean, he hit him right in stride. He hit Malik Knowles right in the hand on a post pattern over the middle that should have went for 15 plus yards. Malik dropped it. Phillip Brooks dropped a pass about 15 yards downfield, yeah. you know, so there were some drops and again, I mean, it's a wet football. So it's understandable that there are going to be a few drops here and there, but Adrian Martinez, stat line would have looked a lot better. I thought, you know, no turnovers again, Two games into the season now, he maneuvered the pocket well. You mentioned, D.Y., the pressure. They got pressure on him a few times, but he moved around in the pocket and avoided sacks. K-State didn't allow a sack in that game. What did we say was the key to the game, the matchup? Missouri's defensive ends against K-State's offensive tackles. K-State doesn't give up a sack. How about this? Missouri only had one tackle for loss in the game. That's pretty crazy. You think about K-State's defense, they had 10 tackles for loss. So, yeah, I mean, I, I – there's definitely some things to be worked on on the offensive side of the football. Deuce was terrific again, busted some runs late um, that really got his numbers up. But I wouldn't take too much away from the passing game. I thought Adrian Martinez made some nice plays. I liked a couple of the design plays that they ran, the kind of the pop pass to Phillip Brooks, which was unique because that's usually to a tight end. And then uh, they rolled him to the left on a play later in the game and then threw back across the field to Phillip Brooks that I thought was a really nice play design. And Maybe it could have been a touchdown if it wasn't for the rain. So, yeah, I, I think the offense is okay. They're just going to continue to get better. Yeah, when it was the driest, and I know that sounds like an excuse, but it was pretty miserable out there. There was some wind involved too. Uh, but Adrian Martinez threw for 54 yards in that first scoring drive. That was more yards than he had yeah. the entire previous game. So yeah. uh, they were off to a hot start before they adapted to the weather. You have to think about it that way too. They got They went into a shell there at some point and look they probably feel very fortunate and are probably pretty excited that they have a chance to get to the oklahoma game in week four without showing hardly anything on the offensive side of the ball 
<laughs> Nothing. I mean, yeah, see, that's the thing. And I mean, Tucker, I'm sorry. I hate to keep bringing this all back to Mizzou, but I mean, like Mizzou played the same role as South Dakota here. I mean, you, you jumped out pretty early. Uh, and after the punt return touchdown, when it's 20 to three, they really didn't have to do much. And I think that's what we're really learning here. Like there, there are no, st- this coaching staff does not care about style points. Colin Klein clearly does not care about style points They're They're just about winning the game and doing what the odds say, like, we'll win you the game. Like you get up big, you know how good this defense is. You know how incompetent the Missouri offense is. Then just kind of turtle up and and make sure that you get to Tulane without having done too much. And, and I think again, when you talk about, Hey, getting Adrian Martinez's confidence rolling, I would love to have seen, a 250 yard passing day or whatever, but it was, it was not in the cards with the weather certainly. And you saw the drops that were happening from the receivers There's just a lot that I think go into the calculus of what they were doing on offense. So yes, at the time was I extremely frustrated that they weren't punching in the turnovers for touchdowns and capitalizing all that. Yes, no doubt. But I think there is an element of the elements and receivers dropping balls and not wanting to get Adrian Martinez turning the football over and all these things it kind of led to how that went. Like I was pushing back on some people on Twitter who were, I mean, of course it's a fan base. It's how they work. Right. But already you have fans like, ah, this Colin Klein, the play calling. And eh, I don't know. And I was like, look guys, let's just t- take a step back here and look at the situation with the defense role and Mizzou stumbling all over themselves, just puking every time they have the football, the rain and the drops, they're not going to try and do anything too exotic here on offense. So, and they just wrote it out and won the game 40 to six slash 12. So I don't know what else you really want from them right now. Well, Oklahoma, I know we just said it about last week going into Mizzou, but Oklahoma is probably where we will really start to, I hate to keep saying this, but find something out about, about the offense. Probably. And I will say, I don't think it can be understated, uh, overstated enough. How about this? Or stated enough. Adrian Bertin is not turning the ball over through the first two games. With his past and what the questions were the entire offseason and everyone's like – skepticism about him has been the turnovers right in the critical mistakes look that was the perfect environment and atmosphere for to turn turn it over and vomit all over yourself five times in a game missouri did right missouri did that they they threw four interceptions and in 10 straight and 10 offensive plays four interceptions and in 10 offensive plays Aiden martinez didn't do that and he's the one known for that right i think that can't be stated enough we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I agree, D.Y. And I just want to give you guys some numbers on the defense because I, I think it's warranted to talk a little bit about the job that Joe Klanderman has done since he took over as the defensive coordinator last year. You know, we talked last season, they averaged 1.91 points per drive allowed, which was the best mark by a K-State defense since 2013 in Joe Klanderman's first season. If you look over the last eight and a half games, dating back to the second half of the Texas Tech game last year, so that's 34 quarters of football, K-State's defense is allowing 1.07 points per drive, 85 points on 79 drives. That excludes garbage time, which by definition, up 22 points in the fourth quarter, et cetera, um, takes out some of those garbage touchdowns like LSU had on the last play of the game that Missouri had on the last play of the game. It excludes those. Um, but that's incredible because here's the thing. Clemson last year ranked number two in the country in points per drive allowed with 1.14. K-State over the last eight and a half games has allowed 1.07, which would be the number two mark in the country only behind the Georgia defense last season. So it's really been incredible what they've done um, on the defensive side of the football during that time. Think about this, guys. They've only allowed eight touchdowns, eight and a half games, eight touchdowns scored in non-garbage time. So they're playing really well. Their havoc rate on Saturday against Missouri uh, was 24% on the season, 29% havoc rate, which is insane. They've played 104 snaps on the defensive side of the football. They've created havoc on 30 plays. I mean, it's it's truly nuts what they're doing on that side of the ball. They've got 10 tackles for loss in each of the first two games, so 20 TFLs uh, so far in the year, five interceptions. Over the last eight-plus games, K-State's plus 10 in turnover margin. Um, so they're taking care of the football. They're forcing teams into mistakes. And on Saturday against Missouri, 3.4 yards per play allowed. Again, the weather dictated some of this, but that was the lowest of the Eli Drinkowitz era, 25 games um, that Missouri had averaged on the offensive side of the football. And the six points, if you exclude that garbage time touchdown, the only time Missouri was held to six points or lower um, in the Drinkowitz era was against Georgia last year when they lost 43 to six. Uh, the next lowest mark was 12 Um so it would have been if you, if you allow that touchdown and count it, look, the K-State held them to the second fewest point total of the Drinkowitz era. So a really impressive defensive performance. I thought, D.Y., you named some names. I thought Josh Hayes, he misses that first tackle where Brady Cook eludes him, but the second play of the season for him, really. Uh, yeah, some rust, took a bad angle. Then he makes two really nice tackles for loss, just flying into the backfield um, during the game. I thought Eli Huggins played fantastic. At the nose tackle position. Yeah, I mean, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, gosh, you know, that screenplay that he read. I mean, he's just, he's such a good player. And then you mentioned Robert Hintz really flashed on Saturday. Um, one and a half tackles for loss. Austin Moore. Dude, really Austin good. Moore's a stud, man. That, that he, guy can play. He is a really good player. Um, yeah. So credit to him for becoming what he has. Um, definitely added some comfort at the linebacker position for Kansas State. And, we know about some of the other guys, like Kobe Savage. You mentioned him, D.Y. Uh, Sincere Mason, two interceptions now in two weeks. You stole uh, that one from Julius. Brady. He did. 
He did. We talked about Julius Prince taking a step up in ball play, you know, defending and getting the ball, and then that one gets stolen from him. Uh, yeah, their defense is playing really good football right now, and they have so much depth. Um, you just really like where this is headed. What was the Havoc rate on Saturday? 24%, 16 Havoc plays on 66 plays. And what is it for the year? 29%. Okay, just I just want to give perspective to those that might not what know what that and obviously it's just you know pass breakups, tackles for loss, sacks, interceptions, turnovers, stuff like that. A good number is like eighteen to twenty percent, just for perspective. They're almost yeah. at thirty. They're almost being at thirty. Being at twenty nine, not bad. Uh, how about how about Brennan Mott too? I mean, DY, yeah. I know that's another guy that they chased it burden down from behind. Yeah, like that we were talking about after the game, like both he and Austin Moore, I think fit in that category of like. You hear about them at first, and you're like, okay, uh, we've we've heard about these guys before through Snyder 2.0, and then the beginning of climbing, and like, you know, you you, you write them off in a sense, just being like, okay, you, <clears throat> they can be a nice filler, solid player, whatever. I both of those guys look like they're beyond that. I mean, they, they look like they can legitimately, legitimately play. Brennan Mott was a Chris Kleiman recruit in a Courtney Messingham recruit from Iowa City, Iowa, former walk-on now in scholarship, and Austin Moore forget i think he might be a climate recruit too i'm not sure but he was he from lewisburg kansas yep yep i mean look i'm brendan mott kind of looks like ryan mueller to me another former walk-on i mean a heck of a find that kansas state has him and you mentioned it more former walk-ons that's how you create depth if you can land a couple guys like that that really develop and they have developed those guys credit to the staff for that no doubt uh cole i heard you complaining about the the rain being a little too wet on Saturday, you know, it could have helped if you wore that Charlie hustle jacket that you have on right now. I mean, that Charlie hustle I, jacket you have right now could have kept you a little bit more dry in, in the stadium. If anybody else was lucky enough to get their hands on the Charlie hustle jacket, uh, Charlie hustle t-shirts may have gotten pretty wet uh, at the game. I, I did not want to get this beauty wet, John. So I wore a different K state jacket, uh, had a poncho on, still got soaked. Uh, I had my five-year-old in a trash bag. Uh, so <laughs> well, you were too cheap to buy the purple poncho that nothing would fit in. They were huge. So, I mean, yeah, I should have got him the purple. They were sold out at the game. I did not plan ahead. This is what happens when dad goes without mom to the game. And, uh, I didn't plan ahead and get something for him beforehand. So father of the year right there, I, I cut holes in a trash bag for him. Is he sick yet? <laughs> no, he's still good. So I was, uh, I'm happy about that. We're 48 hours past almost. So I'm, I'm feeling optimistic that we did dodged he, one. You have any choice words for the, the visitors from Columbia? No, 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 he didn't talk too much. Uh, well, he did. Apparently, he said, well, he said some things apparently that my friends heard around me, but uh, <laughs> nothing, I, I didn't hear it. Nothing bad. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so it was a good time. It was, it was a good time. Uh, yeah. So, well, ma make sure I was going to say, Another thing you all could have used on Saturday to keep warm is, you know, during the delay, you're cold, you're rainy, you know, just knock down some 360 vodka from Holiday Distillery, knock down some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon from Holiday Distillery as well. You know, make sure your insides are warm there while you're outside, maybe cold and wet. Just, you know, make sure and keep it away from the, the, the kid, Cole, but that, that'd be the one thing. So that's as long usually as you can do that. the front of the episode, but you were so excited to throw shade to the live drink wits that. You are 100% correct. I lost my composure a little bit. This is why I uh, am behind a mic. I'm not like actually playing the sport 
remember that. I'll, I'll try and remember that the next time I get mad at somebody for like losing their composure on the field. Yes, I got uh, I got a little too excited there at the beginning and forgot the reads, but you see how I worked that in. You know, I waited until we had the mention of the rain and I tied them both in, like just your 360 vodka at the tailgate, run back out there during the hour delay or whatever, uh, because a lot of people did and didn't come back. Uh, so I'm sure there were a lot of people out there slamming 360 vodka and Ben Holiday bottled in Bon Bourbon to, uh, to try and warm up. You've done this before. I have, yeah, a time or two. Uh, okay, I hate to turn it to something negative here, but um, still got some problems in the kicking game. Uh, special teams has done some really nice things with um, running back a, a punt return for a touchdown, obviously, Phillip Brooks, which to me felt like the, the backbreaker of the game. Uh, for Mizzou at that point in time, right out of the delay, but you still, Chris Tennant misses two more kicks. He just launched a rocket on the extra point that, you know, went straight into the line, almost took off someone's head, I believe, um, and then missed another field goal. Now, did come back and make a few field goals, so two of three from field goal range on the day, but <clears throat> four missed kicks through two weeks of the season has me pretty leery about that because we're about to enter territory where, I mean, the Big 12 so far, to me, has played out to be pretty wide open, and it feels like there's going to be a lot. There are no gimmies. Kansas is no longer a gimme. I still wouldn't consider West Virginia to be a gimme, and you've got to go to West Virginia. Like The, the point being, you could be playing a lot of close games coming up the rest of the year, and I, I just don't love where this is at. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Four missed kicks in two games is something to be leery of. I don't know that I would pull a plug yet, and I don't think they are. I'll take a po sort of positive angle here. It, it takes a lot of gumption and, and mental strength for him to respond and still send some through the uprights at this point because he's going through a lot of adversity. Um, he's hearing it probably when he's on campus, in the locker room, on the field, you know, when he's on the phone, you know, with his family. I mean, he probably can't escape the conversation right now about him missing kicks. And it would be hard to make – any kick at that point because it's there's probably some doubt creeping in. So I will say just for the fact that he's kind of hanging in there and kind of, you know, weathering the storm the best he can and still making some um, probably says a little bit about his mental fortitude. Yeah. Well, credit to him for the two field goals he did make. He could not have hit them down the middle any more than he did. He split the uprights um, and one of them came on the heels of another missed field goal. And then one on the heels of a missed extra point. He's now missed three extra points in his first 10, 10 or 11 games in his career now. So it's a little, it's definitely a concern. Um, hopefully you can get him right in this two lane game before a big 12 play. It's kind of one of those dynamics where you don't want to be having to settle and kick a bunch of field goals. Right. But you sure would like to see him get his confidence up and some consistency there. So it wouldn't hurt to have a couple of those opportunities against Tulane, Um, and then just to make every extra point as well to, to get that confidence level up. So I still think he's going to be okay. We talked about he's a very talented kid. Um, like that he ended the game on made kicks. You know, he made the last field goal and made a couple extra points in the game. So hopefully his confidence is up and they can get him going against Tulane and he he kicks the ball well. What I will say, you know, speaking of the kicking game, shout out to Ty Zentner. Had a heck of a game punting oh, the football. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's been really good so far this year. He's He's had a nice career, but he had two punts that pinned Missouri inside the five. I think one went for – 60 plus yards one, one of them unfortunately player. yeah one unfortunately got uh, pushed out for a 15 yard penalty but yeah some bombs that that he delivered that echo boido downed each time yeah i'm hanging in there for the time being on tenant two I, I still have some confidence 
I mean, at some point, he's going to break through and just be fine. He's that good of a kicker. Um, And he's still showing some mental fortitude, like I said. It's interesting because if you look back on his career, I know we touched on this before, it's the short kicks, right? It's the extra points. It's the ones under 42, under 43 that he that he's struggling with. And, and I always thought it looked like he was – I think we discussed this, how I was trying to be a kicker coach, how he was almost like pulling the string a little bit and slowing his leg down to kind of put those uh, shorter ones through. And maybe that was an adjustment because, like Kurt said, he blasted that extra point because it seemed like he did not want to the slow the leg down. He was trying to make an adjustment there. And he probably went too much the over the other way, obviously, by, by the result. But I think that's maybe a correction that they're trying to make too is like just treat every kick the same. You don't need to, you know, change your angles or your, your leg speed. Just kick the ball. Uh, I, I can – I can have some patience and like heat of the moment after the second missed kick on Saturday when it's like, all right, there's been four missed kicks here in two games. It's like, you, you're going to have to change something. I, I doubt that that's the way that it goes, especially after making the the final two kicks there, as you guys mentioned. So look, wish the best for him. Uh, Tenet's got a really high upside if he can get the accuracy uh, problems figured out, obviously with how big of a leg he has, but it is, it is absolutely something to monitor. And it, it especially stands out when the rest of the special teams has been really good. I mean, they've done a lot of really good things with the rest of the special teams units. And it would be great if he can get it sorted out because with him, reason why it would be great if it's him, with Tenet, it doesn't take too much to get in field goal range. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, and even still now, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. He's He's been good on the longer the longer stuff. So, yeah, you get past the 50. I mean, just roll him out there and see what happens if you're in, in a situation like that. And to be fair, I mean, D.Y., I know we were talking about this before we went on the pod. Lots of college kicker situations happening right now. I mean, watch the end of the Baylor game, and you can that's all you need to know about the state of college kickers right now. There were what, like three shanked kicks that that made a huge difference there in the game and swung things. So, uh, other places are dealing with this also, not just the cats, not just the cats. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, I had a lead pipe lock of the week on our last pod, which was the under on uh, 57. For K-State Mizzou, and despite K-State putting up a Fortaburger and Eli Drinkwitz trying to score that touchdown there at the end of the game, we still, with ease, boys, with ease, hit my uh, my lead pipe block of the week. So I went two and zero, and for the second straight week, it was a like cringy cover. I got Tennessee in overtime. Yeah, John, you're lucky that uh, you're lucky K-State couldn't capitalize on a couple of those turnovers you were harping on. Otherwise, they'd probably get fifty plus on you. Uh, and, right. and I, I lost Iowa choked that game. Um, you know, I had Iowa at minus three and a half and look, Iowa would have won easily if it wasn't for the controversial fumble call at the goal line that would have put them up 14 to three, uh, in the second half. But I digress. I will say it was setting up for a hysterical ending for Iowa state. If what had transpired, uh, had actually occurred and Iowa made a 47 yard field goal to send it to overtime. Because if, if you guys didn't watch the game, uh, Iowa state had the game one, uh, they call an offsides on Iowa state after I think they had essentially, they had forced a turnover on downs, called them offsides and Iowa state celebrating, uh, Oh yeah, and got, they got sportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. So they got a twenty yards of penalty yards that set Iowa up at the forty with nine seconds left. That's ran stupid. about a ten yard out route out of bounds, and uh, the kicker. Speaking of kickers, 
missed it by 10 yards to the left, just hooked it. You know, I thought Iowa was known for good kickers, uh, but that would have been just, just thinking about Iowa state fans and how they love to complain about officiating and boo, how much they would have been all over that unsportsmanlike conduct and offsides about how the, the refs are out to get them. John, I'll set you up here because I'm a pro too. Did you put your money where your mouth is and what did you use to do it? <laughs> No, I did not because I'm just not, I, I don't, I'm very interested in the lines. I am very interested in following that and the movement and what it means for the games. I just think the, the gambling part of it is not really my deal, but if it were, you know where I'd be and I know where everybody else is. That's DraftKings people. Uh, the wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app is officially live in Kansas, just in time for football season. That means betting legally on same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, and more anytime and anywhere across the Sunflower State. To celebrate, DraftKings is giving new Kansas customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on anything, and you get $200 in free bets instantly. Just 5 bucks on anything, you get $200 instantly on DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets instantly, instantly, people, when you place a $5 bet on anything. That's code KCSN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Gambling problem, getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 plus, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. Bonus listed, or bonus issued rather, is free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms of DraftKings.com slash Kansas on behalf of Boot Hill Resort and Casino. To put a bow on this and the win over Mizzou, the other element that was a play here was recruiting. There were a lot of prospects on down the line to 2024, 2025 from the Kansas City metro area that were on hand in the game. K-State obviously has gone head-to-head -head with Mizzou quite a bit. There is the lingering Josh Manning recruitment. Is he still open and listening to K-State? Probably helps that they just mollywhomped Mizzou and made Mizzou's offense look gross. I don't know. I mean, not that either of those offenses were setting the world on fire, but I can't imagine – that you'd want to go play in that offense after watching it out there on Saturday. Um, and John Randall, who is uh, still the highest uncommitted player in the state of Kansas, right? Uh, number three player in the state of Kansas is not committed. K-State's been working on for a while, four-star running back. He was actually in the house, made it to campus and to the game. And we saw videos of his dad <laughs> dancing in the locker room afterwards. So it seemed like a lot of good vibes on the recruiting front. But Derek, this is this is your time to shine. What does that game mean recruiting-wise for K-State? Uh Typically, I don't put a whole lot of stock in one game. I've, I've always been taught that people probably overdo it when it comes to that in terms of a reaction. But this is the, probably the one that will move the needle the most this season for Kansas State, regardless of what happens the rest of the way, just because they know they're going to have to butter their bread locally. And they've always done it, but they're trying to pluck away the top tier of that talent now too and they're competing and, and doing so on a, a more regular clip and this just furthers that effort um if i had to say what spot when it comes to you know the blue chip prospects so to speak that they just haven't necessarily registered the most with yet it's in that kansas city missouri area kc mo and and this one was a powerful win on that front because they were able to get all those players you know at the top of the boards to Manhattan to see, hey, this is not your what you perceive. The, I mean, this isn't the SEC in Missouri, but this is a full house, a loud house. It's packed. The environment's good, even with the weather being as crappy as it is. And, and then we just dog walked the team in your backyard that you probably 
grew up closest to or watching maybe a, perhaps a little bit more with ease and we didn't even play our best football. I think this one moved the needle for those prospects in, in Kansas City, Missouri. Just a couple that come to mind. And I'm not saying they're going to land them. I think in many ways it's an uphill battle, but this furthers you along in that relationship development where in a year or two, maybe you're more competitive across the board. That's what we were saying in Kansas a few years ago. They weren't getting those kids now, but this will further your efforts a year or two from now. We're a year from two now. What's happening? They have a chance to land seven of the top 11 players in the state of Kansas and what is a banner year for the Sunflower State when it comes to recruiting prospects. I say seven of the top 11 because if John Randall Jr. happens to go their way and it really looks like it is headed in the right direction at this point, that would be seven of the top 11 in the Sunflower State that will commit to Kansas State. It Keep in mind, like that that's just, you know, like a, a shot away from being nine of the top 11. I mean, not to bring them up, but Dylan Edwards was once committed and they were close on Joe Otting until Notre Dame offered. So that was nearly nine out of eleven. So they're 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 doing a great job locally. They're they're just trying to extend um, that reach and that audience into Kansas City, Missouri, and this can only help that. Shout out Notre Dame, D.Y. Zero and three to start the Marcus Freeman career. Marcus uh, Freeman, boy, uh, bring him in. I would love to go play for the guy, the only guy in Notre Dame history. Yeah, I mean, lose to Marshall at home couldn't who, happen who to it. Who would ever have a program that would lose at home to Marshall? I mean, my God, could that ever possibly? Well, at least they, they they got their starting quarterback in the game, John. We, you know, Kansas State did not at least. So, okay. yeah. Sorry to bring that one up. I, yeah, someone, well, why I would you do that? Starting quarterback, though, are they going to stick with Buckner? I, I didn't actually see it, but someone told me they they popped in. Of course, NBC had the uh, Marshall-K-State highlights ready to roll because it was the last time that they, they upset a top-10 team. So, wow. Apparently that that made it on the the good old broadcast. Sorry, uh, Jeff. I'll, I will forever have etched in my mind Darren Sproles trying to chase down that like defensive tackle that intercepted was like, he like intercepted an option pitch. Isn't that what happened? And Darren Sproles was like chasing him down. Okay, Cole Cole is giving me this look like he has no interest in talking about this. I would spit that kind of reminded me of Dino Green's interception when you brought that up though. Like he was literally just trying to bat the ball yeah. down the line of scrimmage and he basically ate it with his face mask. But yes, it, it was the the option pitch from Jeff Schwinn that uh, I believe it was David Goddard uh, who took it to the house, and unfortunately, David Goddard I believe passed away in a, a car accident a few years ago. So, mm. well, okay, all right. Well, a lot of reasons I guess we shouldn't be talking about that, huh? Um, Josh Banning, Dy. I mean, is there any hope there? Uh, I think that's probably later on in the cycle kind of thing. Um, he didn't visit, obviously, so I just. I think that there is – the door has always been left open, even when he committed to Missouri. I'll say that. And, and obviously, with this occurring, I'm sure that that door is not closing anytime soon. Avery Johnson was doing his best to help out. You know, he took that tweet of the final score and just <laughs> just simply tagged Josh Banning just to make sure he saw it in, in case he, uh, you know, happened to be busy on a Saturday not watching the game. That, that was pretty well played. Josh Manning's – uh, Josh Manning's girlfriend did visit the Kansas State over the weekend as well. She's a soccer recruit for Coach Dabini, so maybe that mm. that helps a little bit too. It's another mm. uh, another layer to the recruitment. It'll, it'll be interesting um, see how receiver recruiting continues to shake out. I will say, Blue Valley wide receiver Andre Davis is having a hell of a start to his season. All right, love that, love that. 
What about uh, big game this week? Blue Valley, uh, Blue Valley versus Blue Valley Northwest. What about uh, what about Jaden Doss? Dy Doss uh, committed to Nebraska. That is the, we that's the one Nebraska commit. Now, obviously, we haven't even touched on it, but Scott Frost was fired in Lincoln, obviously, um, over the weekend. The one Nebraska commit I would keep my eye on. We'll see what happens. I'm not saying anything is imminent uh, whatsoever, but Jaden Doss, he's like uh, he's a receiver recruit from Raypeck up in uh, Casey Mo also. They had him on campus in Manhattan over the summer, so there's already a relationship there. So they'll, they'll probably take a peek, and I'm sure he's going to listen at some point when that time comes. So I think that's probably the one Nebraska commit on their list that I would keep in mind. Uh, got the, there's a couple of its alignment that they have committed, but they're from Nebraska, so I'd imagine they'd wait it out at least for a while. That will be very interesting to see what happens there. And uh, this will probably be more of a discussion for for the Tulane pod, but uh, later on this week, Chris Kleiman's name has been brought up, as have basically half of, if not more than half, of the current and future Big 12 coaches uh, mentioned by some in in the running for the Nebraska job. We're talking about the athletics, CBS Sports, ESPN. A lot of different, very intriguing names out there. Kleiman has gotten a little bit of run, little bit of run. Uh, I'm personally not very worried about that, but again, we can, we can break that down more later on in the week. Um, any final thoughts, anybody have anything else that they want to make sure unload the notebook here about, uh, Mizzou before we leave this game? I, I've got one thing. If you guys don't have anything. Go for uh, it. Well, I was just going to say, uh, look out for our preview pod that, uh, drops every Thursday morning now and, uh, find us on the new YouTube channel on uh, KC sports network at KCSNU. If you like to watch us on YouTube, you can find us over there encourage everyone to subscribe. So John, there's my like, subscribe, tell your friends. Well, also, you know, in. rate, yeah, like it, rate, rate it. Give right us up at our new home. <laughs> yeah, nice there you go. On three, DY's going out on recruiting trips on Friday nights. He was at John Randall's game. I'll make the pitch for you. You had, you had Flando out watching Jordan Allen, K-State commit. You we'll, would have we'll, had. We'll watch Andre da- Andre Davis on Friday. Um, yeah, kstateonline.com. Um, it's on the on three network now. It's just a dollar for the entire year still. And Flando you would have had me. Him, Flando yeah. was getting all the engagement on that video of uh of uh well, Jerome, Tang. Jerome Tang doing the Wabash, yeah. Doing the Wabash. Uh, hey, that, uh, you that, know that what? Was over two hundred thousand views at one point. I think. Yeah, look, shout out to Jerome Tang too. He's just incredible at engaging with people, and he successfully killed the chant. So <laughs> he's we don't the need only to talk about it. I said it like, for a while. Yep. Yeah, like they uh they did not. I didn't hear it at all. So we don't need to talk about it anymore. Hopefully, just, say, just point of pride to me, Cole, that we had not discussed that at all here on this. Well, I'm ju- I just got to give a shout out to just it shows how well he relates to young people to to be able to be that successful. And it wasn't just the one time. the one he did. They the the entire game. They it the, didn't happen. Yeah, it, it it stopped right after he jumped in the student section with him. Yeah, he's he also did a, he also did a KSU Wildcats chant. He was he's he's learning all the traditions and leading them now. The only thing I was going to ask you why I was just I was speaking of I was just on uh, K State online right before this, and I saw that uh, one of your five things we learned was that Mizzou players were talking a lot of smack. Oh yeah, that out of the K State like locker room afterwards. Yeah, that, that we heard that from the players. I mean, guys like Eli Huggins and and there's a couple other ones. They were just like perplexed. I mean, you're it was like forty to six, and then they started to talk more. When it was forty to six, so they were just stunned by the because they, they said it's it's a physical game. Football's intense. It's competitive. Yeah, there's going to be trash talk in every game, 
but I guess uh, this one was just elevated. And usually when the score becomes incredibly one-sided, the chatter dissipates. And I don't think that was the case in, in this one. Hmm. Well, attitude reflects leadership, right? It starts from the top down. I mean, they take from their, they take from their head coach, I guess. Although he was pretty, uh, very entertainingly quiet. Somber. He was somber. Yeah. EY, speaking of Jerome Tang, any update on Michaela Rich, official visitor? See, I'm just asking you on the air because I haven't gone to on three yet this morning. To, yeah, uh, get I, my I don't picks. know. That have any, uh, we don't have an update. With, uh, he's one of the, and this is going to sound like me too. So he's one of the recruits that's kind of hard to communicate with. So we have nothing on the record from Michaela Rich at this time. Uh, the expectation is still that he's going to visit Illinois, Chicago, which is kind of an outlier in his recruitment because Kansas State, Ole Miss, and Missouri were the first three visits. And then, but we don't expect them to be a threat and it'll come down to the three high major schools, Kansas State, Mizzou, Ole Miss, still thinking commitment on his birthday, September 26th. And probably going to have a 2024 official visitor for the, at the end of the month. Um, I'm trying to think what game that was. I'm not sure, but Patrick, Gongba, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's a four-star big. And another official visitor this weekend, Justin McBride, another four-star. Yes. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just a four, four, four after four-star, John, Just uh, that just rains four-stars at Kansas State basketball. I now. love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, we can talk more about that. We'll see. You know, if we have updates, we'll get to that. You know, we'll get you with the uh, breaking news pods if something big happens. If not, we'll talk to you on uh, on Thursday with the Tulane preview as K-State gets ready for a – yeah, fairly tricky game ahead of uh, <clears throat> Oklahoma, just in terms of you know making sure that you're focused. Everybody be locked in. So don't be looking ahead to Oklahoma, anybody, this week. You know it matters if you, the fan, and us, the podcasters, if we start looking ahead. We can't be doing that, all right? Focus on Tulane, and we will uh, talk to you on Thursday. Shout out to uh, Holiday Distillery, Charlie Hustle, DraftKings, uh, for supporting the pod as well, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to another three months. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.